to another episode of HR and Payroll 2.0. I'm Pete Tiliakis, and as always, I'm joined by the legendary Julie Fernandez. Welcome, Julie. Thanks, Pete. It's exciting to be here today, and I know we have a guest. Do you want to tell us? Yes, yes. I'm super excited to have Kira Rubiano, Global Payroll Pro and VP of Global Payroll Operations at Atlas. Super excited to have you here. Welcome, Kira. Thank you so much, Pete, and thank you so much, Julie, for for having me on your podcast. I'm super duper excited to be here and share my passion with you and my knowledge and insight and just to be a part of this really awesome and wonderful community. So super pumped and thank you again for having me. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I mean, as you know, right, we, we have payroll in our name, so it's a very important subject. We're trying to do a lot more in this area and, and elevate the profession elevate the learning. And so, yeah, just so happy to have an expert like yourself. So, yeah. Hey, but- so Pete, we we talked about a lot of events, but not HR tech. And now that we have Kira also with us, maybe we should just spend a little bit of time with the latest round of fall events and yeah. chat a little bit on HR tech. And I think you might've been to another Money 2020 and some other stuff last week. Yeah. Yeah. I've had a busy, a busy time. I even did a payroll org presentation here at the local chapter event, right? I was able to, to speak on really what I think is the future of payroll, the the profession, the people, right? And what it, what it's going to, you know, what that role is going to look like and how you can impact your organization. So that was super fun. But yeah, HR tech, what did you think? You want to, we, we had a great time, right? We recorded a yeah. fantastic episode with, with Jason Lee from Salt. That That's out now. Everyone can go check that out. But what else, what were your takeaways? And then I can maybe share mine. Yeah. So first of all, as big as ever, right? It's just a huge, a huge event in the industry. And so it's a great place to catch up with everyone and all the folks, you know, as we move around in this community and end up in different places. So that was awesome. We always have a buzzword or a top theme, right? That just jumps out and smacks everybody in the face. And I think we both know what that would be this year. Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> two letter friend of ours. <laughs> yeah, our our two our two favorite vowels AI, you know, really kind of ruled the roost this year and uh, and so everybody whether you were, you know, a benefits provider or a candidate platform or a, you know, pay it doesn't matter who you were or what you're doing there, there's something AI about you as a part of this year's HR tech. I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah. I think every event that I'm going to, that's the predominant, you know, showstopper, show stealer is Gen AI. And I get it. It's it's flashy, it's exciting, it's sexy, it's clicky, everybody wants to talk about it. And it is gonna be incredibly profound. But what I actually came away with from the week was one of the one just one key observational metric is, you know, every year they have the startup competition, right? They bring right. a number of startups in, right? They have the pitch fest stage. And I think they give them a certain time limit, they they make their pitch. And then they can win some sort of award. I think Seed it's money, money that they yeah. get. Yeah, Seed right? 50000 or 30000 something like that. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I think they get some advisory or whatever. But look, what's cool about that was is, is the winner, right? The winner was an organization called Manifest, and they are a 401k transfer solution. So just digest that for a minute, right? Like think about the fact that, yes, there's all of this great AI coming into play. And there were AI solutions that were in that, in that, that competition. But if you look at some of the runners up as well, Virgil HR, another one that is compliance related. It's a compliance platform similar to something like maybe Mineral, where you can get help with things like handbooks and you know legal legal impacts of decision making in the workforce and and just help right consulting. So I, I guess my point here is is that you know the AI and all of that is going to be great, right? We need that, and I think it's going to be a very big augmentative enhancer to our worlds and make make life easier, hopefully, for all of us. But we still have a lot of work to do on the day-to-day stuff that is not that easy still, right? We, you're, you're doing some research, I know, in leaves. That's an area that's still got a right for innovation. And you listen to this, right? 401k transfer. If you've ever been through that process, you'll know how antiquated and, and manual and silly that it is that we're moving checks around in the mail and hoping that you get it sent to the right person and the right, you know, made out to the right owner. Yeah. So that, that just tells me that there's a lot of, you know, while there's a lot of flash to go and chase, sure. There's still a lot of work that can be done on the basic day-to-day everyday things that we do on the front lines of work and, and on the back office that could help us all out. So we've got a lot of work to still be done. That's right. And I know uh, you and I are planning a couple of uh, conversations here and finding the right folks to talk to about AI in various forms. And we'll have a lot to say about it, but I think we'll just park it for now and say that that was, you know, definitely the buzz, buzz word or the buzz catchphrase for the conference. And, and we'll be right on top of that here with our podcast office. 
beware of the AI washing. I, I didn't create that word, but I've heard someone say that kind of, kind of like the greenwashing, right? With environmental sort of things. It's almost like lip service in a lot of ways. So yeah, look, kick the tires on anything that you, you're, you're engaging out there. The AI is important, but, but look at the underlying, you know, what's it going to deliver? The use cases it's solving. That's, that's all important. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What else? What, what else? We, I've been to Money 2020. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if you want to hear about that a little bit. I do want to hear some highlights anyways. Yeah, that was an interesting one. I mean, I, I got to be honest, I, I've never been to that one. And I think that for me, it was, you know, I do a lot of overlapping things, advisory and research when it comes to financial wellness, you know, money movement, you know, all these things that are adjacent to payroll. And so a few of my clients were there like Highline, they had a big announcement for their pay through payroll API capability. And I was fortunate to with the source as the host of the source by daily pay interview a number of really cool founders and just leaders in the finance world and just see what's what's coming and the thing that I think I took away was the fact that we're not all and, and I know this right we all know this we're not all starting on the same base in life when it comes to access to money right that has a lot to do with education demographics where we're born just many many things and what I think I came away with was that fintech and digital native money money solutions, right? Open banking and, and, and various different things that we're using in our world is really very liberating and inclusive, more so than the banking industry has been in the past. And I think that that's the positive thing, right? Is it's this technology still very nascent, all very you know young, it's, it's still burgeoning. But I think at the end of the day, it's going to be, you know, you hear a lot of these founders say, you know, we're, we're trying to make the world better by, and then they give you this pitch, but I think there's there's a lot of that can be true for fintech, right? And I think it's it's opening the doors for a lot of opportunity for folks in places that maybe didn't get opportunity before. And I think that just the beauty of money movement and how fast it is being enabled through a digital technology is just creating a lot of incredible things. So it was exciting. I, I'm looking forward to going back next year. I spoke at this one. Well, not spoke, but basically did those 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 podcasts, and so got to speak to a lot of people and really enjoyed it. So I'm excited to go back, and it's it's very exciting stuff to see what's being built out there and how it's converging too with HR. That's yeah. that's another thing. A lot yeah, of it that's is. the piece that I'm always excited about. Is you know you go deeper in some of the the fin and pay tech stuff, but when it starts to hit HR and where it starts to hit, you know that that's that's always the part that's exciting, and I know we'll be talking about that in the future as well. Yeah, yeah, just the whole. You know, the concept of money movement around health, wealth, and retirement, those things, I think you're going to see digital native solutions disrupt that and make that a much more, like I said, inclusive, but also more real-time, more 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 digitally driven capability. So that's where I think you're going to see it bleed over into our world. Yeah. And I think it's great, right? It's creating a lot of, I, I think there's a lot of inclusive elements to this that, that are going to be very positive for the workforce. So cool. it's good stuff. Hey, so okay. let's get back yeah. to Kira, right? Yes. I, I can't yes, wait Kira. for you to ask her our, 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 I know. our standard questions to find out how the heck we all ended up in the same ecosystem. I know, Kira. It's one of the things that we we ask all of our guests are are around, you know, just the simple fact of like, how did you get into payroll or HR and why on earth do you stay? So that's where, <laughs> that's where I'd love to start with getting to know you with our audience. Thank you, Peter. I actually ask myself that question every day, probably, <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, oh, yeah. So, so it's, it's not a suit. Well, I would say it's kind of, I would maybe say it's an, it is an exciting story. So like many, which I'm sure you're not surprised, I did not go to school and grow up wanting to be a payroll professional. It wasn't anything that I even knew was a career. And in fact, you know, I, I have a little bit of a beef with my college counselors <laughs> and, uh, and advisors because they never, it's not, it's not anything you're ever told is an option, right? As you're going through schooling. So I have always had a passion for learning about the world and my degree and backgrounds in international studies and international law. And my goal was to work for the United Nations mm -hmm. oh, when I nice. got out of, when I got out of school and I was preparing to go to law school and by strange intervention, Okay. Uh, I would say, as I was studying for my LSATs at the time, my now aunt-in-law, I would call her, was doing the nails of the founder of Salergo. I love it. I love <laughs> it. Michelle Hanamichael. Michelle, yeah. Yes, Michelle. 
And Michelle Hanna Michael opened up to her saying, you know, I have this new global payroll company. I'm really keen to hire college grads. Do you know of anyone that would be interested with like an international interest? And lo and behold, I interviewed within a few days and had my first job coming out of school. Wow. So I'll be honest with you, I didn't plan on it being my long-term job, I was just, you know, keen on exploring what, what does global payroll mean? Because I really knew nothing about it at the time. And I don't think anyone really did. You know, this was 16 years Quite ago. New. And the company was just kind of starting to pick up as, you know, the, the evolution of Michelle's company has been wonderful and exciting to watch. And I, I would say that she has been, a prof- she has played a very profound impact in my kind of payroll life and career and has been a great mentor and has shaped tremendously the kind of leader that I am today. And so I'm forever grateful in that. And, you know, I started working and it was really hard. (laughs) You're trying to learn like, you know, what is payroll? What are payments and deductions? Gross to net, taxable wages. Like, what does it all mean? (laughs) Meanwhile, trying to understand how does it work in Nigeria? How does it work in the UK, Philippines, Ireland? But what I realized is my passion for working globally and my desire to work with people around the world was satiated by this industry. Yeah. And I, I, I'm very honest and I even tell my team and I have a very large global team here at Atlas who I'm super grateful for. I call them my payroll Avengers because we all have very <laughs> powerful superpowers that help pay the world. Yes. <laughs> You're magicians. You're magicians. (laughs) We are. We're superheroes, Pete. Superheroes. But I tell them, I said, you know what? I really don't like numbers. (laughs) It's not the numbers for me. It's the fact that I get to learn about how the world works. And I get to learn something new every day. I get to connect with people around the world. I get to understand why certain countries, you know, work the way they do. And it gives me a greater foundational knowledge of why why some things are the way they are. And for me, being a global geek, as I like to say, being in this industry has allowed me to expand my global knowledge. It's allowed me to thrive in it. It's allowed me to be excited about it. And the people that I've met along the way have been so passionate, so just vested in in doing good work and wanting to make sure that they take care of their employees and, you know, all the people that they touch and give livelihood to, right? Yeah. It is very much a community. It really is. It It is. And I've been so grateful, you know, to meet people like you, Pete, over the years and like Mary and Michelle and Nick, like everybody, everybody who's in this community is so close and intertwined. And guess what? Eventually, like we all know each other. You say six degrees to Kevin Bacon. I say like two degrees in the payroll industry to everybody. Because I think everyone knows everyone somehow, whether they've met at a show or have like worked together or have serviced a customer or have just like, connected on LinkedIn. So well, it's so good. I'm so happy to have you in the community. And look, I, I think we hear this. I mean, Julie, you, you you're on all these. We hear the same thing, right? Like people often just find their way here and find a very rewarding career and a great community, and they stick around. and And that's that's outstanding. And and yeah, Michelle for sure. Michelle Hanna Michael should absolutely be on that Mount Rushmore of global payroll. I've, <laughs> I've heard multiple people say she's helped them in the industry, and good to hear that as well. So very cool. So let's, let's maybe pivot a little bit. I want to kind of talk about the fact that payroll has undergone, I'm sure even just in the time that you've been in the workforce and in the, in the community, it's gone through immense change, right? It's gone through immense pressures with compliance. It's gone through immense technological advancement, and there's still a lot of work to be done. Let's be honest. But it feels like payroll has almost gotten harder despite all of that, right? Like despite all this innovation, it feels like it's harder. Is that really, do you agree? Do you think it's getting harder? Is it getting, what do you think about it? So it's a very interesting question. I think it's always hard. Yeah. It's hard because of the pressure of payroll by nature. Okay. So there's a saying, right? Nothing short of perfection is good. And it's interesting because I just did a LinkedIn poll 
where I asked the community saying, what is a successful payroll run to you? Is it a hundred percent, you know, accuracy, timeliness, or is it 99% of my employees got paid on time and accurate and it's good enough. You know, what's interesting is it's, there's a, there's a bit of a split. I would say 50, 50 in terms of how people are responding to that. And that's because a hundred percent, if you're talking about, especially global payroll, it's not unachievable, but but the work required is so immense that the pressure's on, as I say, like Donkey Kong. Okay, yeah. it is it is incredible <laughs> pressure to deliver, you know, good, accurate, timely payroll, and so we have to have the tools and mechanisms and the support to be able to do that as payroll professionals. So, has it gotten harder? It's gotten harder because there's more and there's a bigger need to be experts in global payroll and to yeah. be quick and to be accurate and to be efficient and to be perfect. So yep. in that agile. Sense, yep. Agile. It's gotten a lot harder. Yeah. Um, in the sense of are the tools that are being made available to payroll professionals uh, allowing to create efficiency and drive, you know, scalability and create an improved experience 100%. Uh, the tools are, have been, you know, the tech and the tools and the resources available to people and professionals in the space are by far way more advanced than they were even, you know, 10, 15 years ago. I was, yeah. you know, working off of spreadsheets and trying to do like oh. manual calculations, <laughs> which by, by the way, yeah. still happens today. There's still a lot. Of, I was just going to say, there's a lot of payroll being processed on Excel, which is oh. really disturbing that, you know, that kind of brings me to my other, maybe yeah. my next question is, and Julie, I, I'd love to hear your point of view. Cause you're out there actually helping people make this happen in big and small companies as well. But what, like, are, are companies adopting this stuff fast enough? Are they taking this technology in? Because I'll, I'll tell you, at, at, out at HR Tech, when we went to the dinner for Salt Labs, the, 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 the gentleman who was to the right of me, who was a leader in an HR organization, uh, a big organization, was telling me, we, I don't feel we're adopting technology fast enough as an HR operation. And so I, I kind of sense that as well. Do you, but is that, is, that, is that fair, Julie? Do you think that's... The case? Yeah, I, I don't know that that's, I don't know that I would say it's fair. I might probably counterpoint or argue a little different way. I, I definitely agree. As Kira said, technology is coming a long way, fast and furious. In fact, the study, the payroll study that we did and have out from last year, basically, did show that when it comes to the pain points in payroll, the ones that are no longer making the radar are the things that have plagued us for years and years, like variable pay mm-hmm. or, you know, all of, all of those things that are so complex and so difficult to do in, in spreadsheets and in other things. I mean, like we're solving for those really fast and the technology has advanced, I would say, a lot, right? An, an awful lot. And you can see that showing up in the surveys. But what I don't think it cares for or I don't think is accounted for in that is just the pace of change. Has mm-hmm. has become incrementally greater. There's, you know, we're we're never undisrupted. We're constantly redisrupted, and compliance and and legislative changes are just, you know, exponentially increased. And so the technology is, you know, working to keep up with that. The tools that we have are striving to keep up with that, and it's just coming at it at a breakneck pace. And there's new innovation on top of that. So, you know, so you kind of have to rely on your, your systems or your providers or your, your staff to, to keep up, first of all, and then to innovate on top of that. And I think that's maybe what we're feeling. Plus, less and less people, right? I mean, we're aging out. We're losing folks because yeah. of exactly what Kira said in the beginning, which is, you know, our counselors even letting people know that love international or love different, have different types of aptitudes that this is a real career path, right? Yeah. 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 We got to hold on to that. We're, we're losing talent. I mean, payroll hasn't been immune to the talent crunch. And you're right. I think less and less people probably are thinking about it as a, as a career opportunity. And I tell people all the time, it's a brilliant place to start if uh, an HR career, all roads lead there, right? And you can learn so much so fast. All but, of this changes table so, stakes, right? That's the problem is, yeah. you know, when it's regulatory, it, you have to make those changes. And so you can't exactly. let them sit. And, yeah. 
and they're coming, they're coming hot, hot and heavy. heavy yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Kira, mm-hmm. you obviously are leading payroll for a, an, an organization where their product is compliance. Their product is helping people reach the world, right? Reach talent around the world. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we've recently co-authored, I, I helped co-author a, a global EOR report, employer of record report, where we looked at kind of the viewpoint of what's going on in the market and where are things heading. And, you know, one of the things that came out very clear is that corp- companies of every size are fundamentally having to go beyond their their comfort levels or their comfort zones, if you will, and reach beyond their borders and hire people to get talent, right? Or to accommodate employee requirements, uh, requests, right? Work from anywhere, work from home. Not to mention just the fact that we're just a very global uh, global economy. The internet, 5G, the creator economy, all of that has created a lot of opportunity for folks to engage with, with, with jobs around the world. And that's such a beautiful thing. And, and I love the EOR model, right? I love what it's doing. I think it's a human agility or excuse me, human opportunity enabler, but it's also a business agility enabler. But like, I think there's still just so much confusion between EOR and global payroll. And, you know, I'm not sure if that's marketing, if that's, you know, if that's because there's some very blurry lines on what global payroll is today, but but what do you think about it? Like when you, when you look at this solution and how, you know, how it's being adopted, like how would you explain the difference between global payroll and global EOR? And what do you see like as far as companies engaging that? Yeah, and I think that's, that confusion requires a, a lot of education, right, uh, as well. And I think that's what you've seen the EOR community really trying to do is to yeah. educate the overall like HR payroll community because there is a difference. Um, So what I would say is that, you know, one of the biggest mistakes that I've seen companies make when they are in pursuit of talent anywhere in the world is that they underestimate the requirements needed to hire in a country, as well as the time needed to be ready to hire and what that actually entails. So I, I have experience also, you know, my entire career has been in outsourced global payroll. So I've worked for global payroll companies supporting customers in their own entities from a payroll perspective. And then on the EOR side now, it's supporting that EOR structure. So we run payroll or my team runs all the payroll for uh, all of our local entities around the world, which employ people on behalf of our customers. So I I get to see both perspectives. I call it the outsourced kind of external view and that internal um, support view. So the biggest difference is that, you know, as, as a business, you have to always assess, you know, the nature of your business and the activities of the business that you're going to do in a specific country and why you're hiring talent in that country. Um, because depending on your needs and depending on what your you believe your plans are, that will dictate what is the best option for you to take. So for example, if you are looking to really set up in a country and start generating sales and revenue and you're going to kind of build out a manufacturing facility or whatever that may be, right? You're really looking to generate money. It may be that you have to set up an entity and incorporate in that country because you're going to have obligations um, such as VAT and corporate tax and, and, and what we would call permanent establishment obligations that you have to meet because you are going to have a thriving business in that yeah. country. And guess what? That's great. And that would be probably the right decision for you, but that takes time, that takes money. But yeah. you might be a company who says, look, I either really like this one person who could do a great job for me and I want to hire them, or I just want to test the market. Like, look, I don't know what it means to be in Spain, but I want to see, you know, what is my market opportunity? So I'd like to hire somebody to help do some field research or whatever that may be. And guess what? If you try to set up an entity just to do those two things, it's going to take you time. It's going to take you money. And it's going to take a lot of investment on that side. And that's where EOR kind of starts to come in to say, look, if you're looking to, you know, you found really great talent, or if you're looking to test a market, or if you want to try to ramp up in a quick way before making a decision on whether or not you start an entity and really incorporate in that jurisdiction, EOR is a great uh, way to do that because it allows you to hire compliantly, right? Making sure that your employee is registered in that country as per local regulation, that they are legally employed, that they are 
payrolled, meaning you can actually run and pay them in the local currency, and that they have benefits as well without uh, having point. to think yeah. about, oh my gosh, it's going to take me one year to do open this entity. You know, it takes sometimes it takes like six months to a year to open even a bank yeah. account in a country. Yeah. I mean, so that's like, where the, that's the beauty, right? The speed to market of which you can get that, that up and running so fast. That's what I love about EOR is it's a vehicle, a turnkey vehicle for really orgagility, right? Just popping into an area and saying, Hey, let's try this out. Let's, let's test this market. Let's see if we can be viable here. Exactly. Um, the time to do that to your point and, and all that complexity of building all that is, is very uh, time consuming and costly. So, so what I would yeah. say is that like, and I want to get, and I'm sorry, cause I want to get back to that yeah, original yeah. question. Like what's the difference? The way I look at it, having worked in both worlds yeah. is global payroll is payroll for your own entity. It's a business that you've established in a country and you need somebody to help you run the payroll for that country. Cause you can't do it in house. That is global payroll services, right? EOR is I don't have an entity. I have no mechanism of legally employing somebody, but I really want that talent or I really want to hire someone there. So how can I do it so that it's compliant and legal? And that's where EOR comes in, is that it's a, it's it's providing you a service of employing someone with a compliant umbrella so that you don't have to worry about making sure, once again, that they're registered in that country, they have social security coverage, they have benefits, and they can get paid for the work that they do. Yeah. So you've got to look at it in those kind of two perspectives. No, when, yeah. I, when I'm looking at that with, with, in, with internal organizations, right, companies and HR organizations or finance organizations that are trying to sort this out, I think oftentimes they think in terms of, you know, their functional or department areas. And you just made a, a great summary that that highlights how much finance activity and legal, at least employment law and recruiting activity is in the scope of EOR because you are not specifically trying to be an employer in that space. You just need the talent and you need to run and go. Whereas in the global payroll space, you know, you're more, you are the HR, an extension of HR. So it's more about HR and payroll. And operationally, I find that business leaders think, think, or start to align the services of, of those different models with owners in their organization. And EOR is just so much more complex, right? Because of the services that are provided on behalf of the client. 100%. There's a funny way I have of putting this and like, this is how I, it made sense to me when I joined this interest, industry a few years back. I go, when I worked at a global payroll company, right? And we had a customer who needed help in you know, 10 countries to run their payroll. If something went wrong, for example, with like a entity tax notice or like a registration or there was something that like they forgot to do when they were registering the entity or something went wrong with their bank account. I used to go, that's not my problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like they're responsible. They have to figure it out. Now in EOR, guess what? I go, it's all everything's my problem. Everything. Yes. Yes. That's you know a what great else point. it makes me think just even skills wise, right? Your, your story about how you got into and being kind of a global geek is definitely my story as well. And yet your background and interests, you know, aligning with the legal, you know, some of the legal learning and where you were headed with international, international law are so, are so much more aligned to EOR than my background, which was, you know, more aligned to the people in the HR operations and organization and people serving along with the global geek, right? So even when you're thinking about talent in this space, if, if a company is trying to look at talent, I mean, they're different, they're different interests, right? Or different aptitudes. Yes. Yeah. Kira, do, do you see this as, as, as more still largely a small business mid-market sort of solution? Or do you see larger companies also sort of looking at this and saying, how do we leverage it as a agility enabler in our ecosystem, our HEM strategy? And Julie, you too, what do you, what do you see on the front lines as far as EOR up market? So I would say, you know, it's interesting. I think when it initially started uh, a couple years back, I would say it was more of kind of like the small startup type yeah. enabler, right, for growth for for fintech and, and tech companies in general. What we're seeing now is larger multinationals 
coming in and actually requesting this type of support because one, what we're seeing is that a lot of companies are realizing, you know, we don't want to necessarily continue to keep our entity open in that jurisdiction because maybe there's not a requirement for it or they're not looking to do a big investment there. So they might downsize and then use EOR as like an, as a way to, keep certain talent employed. So we're seeing a lot of that kind of like a reverse. Yeah. I had an entity, I don't need the entity or we have decided for business reasons, we don't want to keep this entity, you know, open because remember it's very costly. (laughs) Yes. Very costly to keep an entity open and there's a lot that goes into it. And so if you're not looking to like necessarily employ a large volume of employees there, you might decide, you know what, we're going to close this operation down, but we want to keep, you know, these two, three, four people, or we want to maybe test the market later. So we'll go with EOR. And we're definitely seeing more multinationals that are of larger size testing markets. So they're saying, well, we're going to start with just like a couple employees, five here and there. And as we grow, we will look to, you know, in the background, we'll work on getting an entity ready. So they're using it also as an enabler to ramp up quicker, whereas traditionally larger companies would usually go, okay, we're going to invest a year to set up, open the bank account, this and that. Now they're saying, well, we don't have to wait a year. Let's kind of get going with the talent. And um, they're getting way more comfortable with that idea. So we're seeing a change in the type of, Uh, prospects that are interested in this space. Right, right. Very good. Julie, anything anything you're seeing on your world? uh, I'm not seeing uh, things differently than Kira. Kira, I am thinking that it's maybe not always, it's less about the size of the company itself and their operations and more about the size or scale and permanence of you know, the, the country or or the, the operation, the local operation they're looking at. And so it almost, it almost naturally leans to tail countries, right. Or wherever it is, you're going to have your, we use that term sometimes on this podcast, meaning (laughs) kind of the, the longer list of smaller countries, because the commercial model is better suited for, you know, the smaller scale. And once you start to get scale, a company often will bring that in house. But if you're also just testing or you have a spot need and you're going to be there for some period of time, but maybe not in permanence. Those are great use cases uh, for EOR. And I think more and more companies, large and small, are catching on. In the large company mix, they often have enough resources to try to do it themselves. But I do think that strategically, larger organizations are realizing, like, why would I do that? You know, I don't have to do that. And it can be a lot of overhead spread across many different departments. And so it may actually be more efficient, even if I have a boatload of people, to tap into the EOR model. And that's refreshing. And and so I'm not surprised that, Kira, you're seeing, you know, kind of all across the market size, folks looking at, mm-hmm. at EOR. It's, yeah, it's great. I think more CHROs need to know about it. I, I still believe that most don't. And CFOs too, right? They're, they're often, you know, the ones sort of approving the, 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 the go forwards on some of these strategic moves, right? And, and this is, this is a, a great, again, an agility enabler. But also, I just love the fact that it also is bringing people to opportunity and connecting people in, in places in emerging markets where there's not opportunity for them mm-hmm. locally, but there is the immense skill that they can bring externally. So, you know, Africa is a great lo- uh, location. South America, there's some pockets down there that are becoming very, very rich with talent. And it's beautiful to see that those people are getting these, these opportunities. So I love the global nature of our, yeah. of our world. And the EOR model has been great for that, for both business and people. That might actually tap into some of the confusion that's out there because, in fact, there are a number of of organizations that have either started on one side of the house or the other, right? EOR or global payroll. And if they have a good footprint in tail tail countries or tail activities, we're seeing some bleed over that, that could be creating as much confusion as anything, right? Yeah, it is. I mean, these offerings, look, let's face it. If you're an EOR, most of them are wanting to now enable more of a managed payroll capability to complement that. Not not all of them, but some of them. I think that creates a stickiness with the clients, hopefully, but also broadens and diversifies their capability. And a lot of them 
I find a lot of the EORs that have been around a while started in one thing or the other and ended up there. Maybe it was contingent workforce or maybe it was payroll. And then they started to add those things. So I think it's a nice compliment, right? That you can, that you can use, but there's just so many options. And I think you got to really be careful and kick the tires on these things and know what you're buying, know what it's supposed to do and understand how it's going to work again within your your strategy and your I model. Might explain so, too why, we're seeing, um, why we see, yeah. you know, folks that let's say had been in glo- the global payroll business, then marry up with yeah. somebody that was in the the recruitment side, right? I mean, because of all of those pieces exactly. that come together. And so the market is, you know, is racing to assemble the same pieces if they weren't there natively to begin with. Yeah. And you know, the payroll providers have even been telling me for a while now that they're the pure play global payroll providers, they're getting pulled a little on the HR compliance side of things like, Hey, can you help us off board? Can you give us some guidance on this? You know, and that starts to dip into, it's not an EOR solution at that point, but it does dip into that broader HRO kind of capability where these, these firms weren't designed for that and they weren't necessarily doing that in the past. And so a lot of them are partnering or bringing on capabilities to try and support that. So you can see that the the long tail that you talked about is pulling vendors into more work and more scope than maybe they had necessarily signed up for or hoped for. And uh, yeah, I, th- I think that's where the EOR model comes into play where it's like, look, I've got this long tail I don't know how to support them. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> maybe you get some help there in that way as well. So yeah, I love it. I, th- I think it's a, you know, it, look, this is a growth area. It's going to continue to grow as long as people are leveraging independent contractors and people are leveraging talent, you know, wanting to t- access to talent everywhere, which every company needs right now. So I just, I, I think it's going to be a very, very normal part of what we do. Uh, and I'm sure eventually we'll see some more adjacencies between, you know, regular managed payroll and EOR to develop. Yeah. What, what yeah. I would add to that, Pete, so... <laughs> is you're seeing a lot of people trying to get into this space. Yeah. yeah. So the past two years. Too many. I, I'm like, who's this? <laughs> there. I know. <laughs> Where I know. From? And then I go to myself because, you know, Atlas was has been rebranded, but it was Elements and it's been around yes. for, yep. for a while now. I would say one of the original, the OGs in the space. <laughs> but, but I say, it, it's it's complex. It takes time to understand what you're really doing. And sometimes I look at the new guys and I go, either they're naive or they're, they've got something that we don't know. <laughs> but it, yeah. it takes time to master the wisdom of operating in a country. Because if, once again, if you're legally employing, contracting, payrolling, benefiting, there's a lot that comes under that. And that includes oh, yeah. managing your local books. It includes managing your local tax compliance. It includes managing your entity operations, all that stuff. And that that takes time, that takes money, that takes sometimes learning hard lessons. Yeah. Yeah. Oh <laughs> right? yeah. And so Failing. <laughs> what I would say is like for for those that are out in the market and they're like, ooh, there's these new guys. They've been around for six months and they're saying they could do EOR in, you know, a hundred countries it's like kind of question them on that because yeah it's not that easy to get up and running and get established so that you can legally employ people so how are they you know how are they doing that what kind of experts do they have how you know are they servicing that because i'm i'm personally skeptical to be honest when i see all these new players but it doesn't mean they might be doing something that we haven't cracked the code yeah you know, <laughs> i don't know this this market is is incredibly incestuous and you're right there there's a lot of partnering that goes on around this space yeah. and uh, yeah Totally. We we've, we won't belabor this subject, but yeah. but kick the tires, right? Know what you're buying and understand exactly. there are a lot of options and you really Ask need questions. to understand. Yes, Ask yes. Questions. Absolutely. So look, Kira, I want to kind of take us back maybe a little bit differently in a different angle, right? We kind of talked about technology for, for what it's doing for payroll and sort of the adoption around that. But one of the things that I think I've been, I'm become very passionate about over the last few years, and I'm really trying to create as many ways as possible to influence this is just helping to elevate the profession to your point around people coming into this market often by accident or by out of necessity and not necessarily growing up and saying, I, I want to be a payroll leader, which is unfortunate. It's a great career <laughs> career path. I can, I can tell you, you can, you can obviously tell them, but like, 
what is it going to take for payroll to get that respect? I, I wrote an, an article recently about payroll being at an inflection point, and I and I talked a little bit about the less than treatment and the less than stigma on payroll. And there's a lot of there's a lot of thought around the whole seat at the table, right? Like, should, should payroll have a seat at the table? I don't know what table it really is, but but the point is, is does payroll need more respect? And I, I did some posts on this recently off of Anne Marie. I always say her name wrong. I think it's Wagen. She had a great, she's one of the payroll leaders at S&P Global, a longtime payroll practitioner, had a great point about maybe it's time payroll goes and makes its own table, so to speak, right? And, then, and, I, and I kind of second that to say, yeah, you're going to have to push your way to the front of the line. But, but what do you think about payroll having a seat at the table, right? I mean, what, what, do, you, what do you think about that? And, and what do you think about going and getting that seat in general now? Yeah, and I would say throughout my career, that's always been a topic and and a key question that all payroll practitioners discuss with passion. Well, first and foremost, I think payroll needs to bring some sexy back (laughs) because it's it's. I think the nature of the word in itself, like it just doesn't necessarily excite you know something within people. Like it's it's just not a topic that comes up at the dinner table. You know, very often. So I think as an industry, we have to figure out how can we make payroll more relevant and more exciting so that people do talk about it more because it's taken for granted. Yeah, right? 100%. Totally. It's, it's taken for granted uh, every single day. Now, in terms of seat at the table, I would say... If you asked me five years ago, I was very confident that payroll was gaining a seat at the table. What I've seen over the past five, six years, I think we're still a little stuck. I I, I don't think that payroll is brought in early enough by organizations to make, you know, those critical talent or business decisions around, you know, where do we expand? Where do we grow? Why? And that's unfortunate. That's at least my perspective. I yeah. think we still have a ways to go there. Maybe which goes back to your comment that payroll needs to make a seat. I, to be, to be frank, I am a, a person who's quite vocal, and I'm not afraid to like give my perspective to my leaders and say when something is right, something is wrong. What do we need to do? I think it's about payroll practitioners also gaining confidence within themselves to be able to voice their opinions and concerns. Because I think traditionally a lot of this kind of professional space is, I would say, a little more quiet sometimes, right, by nature. Oh, yeah. It's a very reactive way they're treated, right? And and often they react uh, that way, right, instead of being proactive. You're right. So I, I think instead of getting the industry or the overall kind of business to to always think oh we got to bring payroll here it's about you yourself yeah pushing payroll to the forefront in your organization as yeah. well yeah that's the advice sorry go ahead no no that's yeah, that, that's the advice I've been really giving is like, look, you're going to have to, what's that saying about dressing for the job you want? It's like, my thing is you're going to yeah. have to behave for the job that you want. You can't continue to behave like a processor in the back office. Yep. You've got to start behaving and walking and talking like a strategic advisor who's bringing data, who's removing emotion and talking in terms of moving the needle from an ROI perspective or addressing something that needs to be supported in the business, right? Through data. And I think that's going to be a big part of it. Payroll is going to have to start seeing themselves as leaders, as strategic leaders, seeing themselves as advisors and leveraging their data to position themselves that way. And I think it can be, it can be very powerful, right? We've seen examples of it, you know, in the market. I've studied multiple examples of organizations that do very well with investing in their payroll, both from a monetary perspective, but also culturally, and they get a lot of tremendous value out of it in in that way. So yeah, payroll is going to have to step up I definitely have some thoughts um, in this area as well. And things that, as you know, I do a lot with clients in their transformation journeys, right? And as we're talking about a seat at the table, you know, the first thing that kind of strikes me is like, which table, what table are we at? And organizationally, you know, it matters and, and you have to know where you're, where you're playing or like which room of the house you're even in before you're finding a table. And we do see, you know, less and less, I think in it, that's fair to say, but you might be, you know, 
HR owned or finance owned or shared services might own you. I think in any case, operations, local operations, and the movement to push a lot of the payroll oversight and harmonized processes up into some central organization is helping to drive conversations that put us more at the table, right? Regardless of which one of those operational areas you fall in. And the more yeah. that your organization, you know, sees, sees, you know, everyone sees that it's the same room, you know, everybody agrees it's, it should be part of finance or it should be part of HR, you know, the more likely it is that you end up having that seat at the table. And then you figure out like, which one of yeah. those are you in? Because your HR stakeholders and leaders have very different objectives and priorities and kind of val values, intrinsic values than finance or than shared services. They're all aiming for a different, they're all marching to slightly different drums still in the same band. And so, so yes. if you're not able to navigate and kind of, you know, understand stakeholders broadly and then understand how your organization values payroll based on where it, where it is and where it isn't, you know, I think that just becomes difficult. You really need prowess to be able to, to navigate that. Yes. And, and it changes sometimes. That's a great point. You know, I, I think back to when I was a payroll leader in a Fortune 100 global firm, very, very complicated. And even after that, when I went to work, you know, for IBM and TCS and was working with some of the biggest companies on this, I noticed the, the, that my success and many of their successes were often very, I wouldn't say entirely tied, but very important that they had, I had a sort of uh, ally in the executive level that was bought into payroll's importance and would fly air cover for me and would back me up and support me. And that's, that's, that takes relationship building and collaboration. And again, using that data, but I think it's always good when you can have that executive ally that is there to help, help you, you know, be, get that seat at the table, have those conversations. And then it's up to you to bring that data and perspective and shine in those moments. And that's where I think payroll's got to, got to bring a new skill set to, to take their rich skill set flip it, use their data and get away from sort of being reactive and being, you know, what I wonder often is, um, I wonder, do we, you know, do you have a better chance or, you know, are you more likely to have a, yeah. a seat at the table or a bigger voice if you're, you know, aligned with HR or finance or IT or shared services? If you're invited by well, someone who's know, already at the table. That is, you know, if you're <laughs> yeah, aligned right? with HR, then there's not a lot of folks that are really dying to crunch into numbers and, and like there's just different skill sets. Yes, and so, yeah. so you're super valued for those skill sets when you see pay payroll as part of the finance organization. It's like, yeah, but your payroll and, and yes. we do, you know, FP and financial planning and analysis. And so we're the strategic right. dog, right? And yep. so I do think there probably is some reasonable thoughts about maybe you have more weight or more, more, more pull if you're part of one organization or another. Yeah. Yeah. Depends on the org, I think how they, yeah, how they are, but yeah. So, so Kyra, Kira, I'm sorry. What, what would you, like, what advice would you give to somebody who is, you know, a, a payroll leader who, who either does or doesn't have the, 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 the support of their, their leadership, but, but has, a point of view has obviously data to speak to and wants to make some change. Like, what would you, what would you say to the, that person? One, take, take some solace in the community as well. Cause there's many of us who have gone through that before or yeah. going through it right now. I mean, I'm been there, done that, right? <laughs> I'm actually in, in, in yeah. right now in the process of putting together like a business case for, something that I want for my team because it's going to drive improvement and efficiency. And so I am getting ready and gearing up with my data <laughs> and you my information to. and my findings and my conclusions. So, you know, don't ask for something just to ask for it, right? You have to be prepared to back it up. And to back it up, I mean, you know, if, if you want to be heard, say why you need to be heard and how this is going to create a better impact for the business and why it's important to the business. Because I think, you know, what's taken for granted, I always say is that payroll is the heart of the company. Because the minute oh, we yeah. stop beating, the whole body collapses. Oh, yeah. The whole economy <laughs> right? comes crashing down, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So the heart is forgotten sometimes because it's always there and it's always beating and nothing's ever, you know, like. That's a great it point. shouldn't be anything wrong with it usually, right? Yeah. But the heart sometimes needs to kind of pound a little harder, right, to say, hey, I need you to do this for me. Otherwise, we're going to have, you know, 
continue challenges, especially if you're in a business that's looking to scale, right? If, if, if a business is growing and the company has amazing, you know, goals and trajectories for the coming year, like, and you're operating circa 1999, you, you won't be able to keep up, which impacts your talent experience, which impacts the hiring managers, right? All these different things get impacted. And so then the business gets um, hindered from being able to grow if you can't. Yeah. So it's articulating that to say, look, I am all here, you know, for the ride. But I need to, you know, be supported so that I can ensure that all of our experiences are positive and we grow together. So it's really about articulating the why and um, being clear with your needs and your ask and what it is that you want. And then seeking guidance from others. No one should be afraid to say, hey, community, I love your guidance on on this. Has anyone ever experienced this? Or how do I go about this? And I don't doubt people will come to to give that guidance. They're starving for that. And I'll tell you, I've always said that payroll has one of the richest communities when it comes to supporting each other and taking care of each other. And really, look, there's no reason to struggle, right? We've we've all probably been through the thing. A lot of us might have been through one of the things that you're dealing with as a practitioner. Reach out. Let's compare notes. Let's talk. Let's collaborate because there are answers. There are, you know, they're probably using the systems you're using. The community is really fantastic in that way. And I think it's, it's very unique, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Julie, what do you think about all this? Any any extra thoughts um, here? <laughs> We've been all, all over the place. So no, I think it's awesome. And I know we talk yeah. a lot about payroll as a career path. And and I and I do think that as we get folks that navigate payroll, I mean the, the first place where payroll gets a voice and a seat at the table and and has a little bit more weight is when a payroll professional has worked their way up the ladder and has been recognized and becomes a part of a leader in shared services or, you know, a broader total rewards part in the HR organization or takes on a bigger finance role that includes accounts payable and expense or something. And so, you know, those who are navigating and who really are enthusiastic and and love this space, there are just so many ways to grow and advance. And as you do, your knowledge and appreciation for what it takes to really do payroll and a world of payroll well, you know, begin to make a, make their way into the the voice of senior leadership ranks, right? It's, so I'm hopeful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I think that, yeah, I mean, the payroll, the payroll practitioners, you know, you have immense, immense and leaders, right? Immense skill sets, right? I mean, all the things you're going to need for the future of work, you know, when you look at, I, I talk about this a lot, but the World Economic Forum put out their jobs report. And one of the things they showed was this matrix on all the skills that are going to be essential over the next five years, where folks, where companies are investing, where, you know, the skills they're going to prioritize. And it's analytical thinking, attention to detail, adaptability, creativity, leadership, you know, technical acumen. Sounds like a payroll manager's job description, really. And so I think the payroll, the payroll profession is really poised to shine and they're in a great position. They just need to be fostered and curated and supported and given the technology and the help. And I think they can do great things and they are going to do great things. And so I'm excited for the profession and just hoping to move it forward in that way. So. Would you agree, Kira? Do you think that's? Do you think you feel like uh, your skill set has set you up really well, and as as AI kind of pushes in and changes our our roles here in payroll? So to comment, and I, yeah, on the AI component. So yes. I, I, what I tell my team every single day: work smarter, not harder. So yes. for me, AI is allowing myself and my team to work smarter, but we're still working. <laughs> oh yeah, and. Oh, yeah. Very much, we're still doing, you know, analytical thinking, problem solving, like literally working in this industry, you're problem solving every single day. That doesn't go away. And AI might help you calculate an answer quicker or come up with a format or give you some sort of guidance, but it's not going to necessarily put all the puzzle pieces together for you. So really, it's about how do we work smarter, not harder. I think in terms of skill sets, what I'm seeing, and this is a difference between what I call my my diamonds and my solid players, yes. is the diamonds are always thinking one step ahead. How can I do this better? How should I have done it better? What can I do to improve? What are the questions I need to ask? And, and then the, the 
kind of what I call the steady players are doing their job. They're doing it well and they're going through the motions every single day and executing. So we need to get as, as we continue to focus on this career path, it's really about preparing that, you know, individual or that group of individuals coming up in the ranks about how they think beyond. Yeah. Okay. It's a mindset. You have to think, what are the risks? What are the questions I need to ask? How can I solve this? Because I always tell people, I'm not an expert in every country. I will never claim to be one. Yep. <laughs> um, and, I, and I get every single day, an issue happened in Djibouti, in Indonesia. <laughs> I don't know, but I know how to address it. I know what I need to do to solve it. And I know how to how to get there. I don't necessarily know the answer right away, but I know how to get there. So I think it's about preparing yourself with a with a new mindset that's beyond just kind of that execution or that kind of doer and saying, how do I change my mindset to think beyond that? Yeah. And if we can do that, then boy, we'll be I know, right? Avengers <laughs> for sure. Yes, yes. You guys are superheroes and you're you're definitely gonna level I I, I believe that, you know, the augmentation is really gonna free payroll to be the best they can be. And I, I'm just excited for the skill set and the the data to get engaged. I think it's gonna be a great a great profession to continue to to be in. And I thank you for sticking around it. We, we appreciate you. Where can we find you and, and we'll share your links, but what and, and anything you have right now you wanna you wanna share as well? Thank you so much. It's been awesome. Really, really awesome to talk to people who have the same amount of passion and vigor for this industry. And thank you for, you know, perpetuating it in the right direction and propelling it forward. So thank you for that. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm the only (laughs) Kira Rubiano out there. There's no other ones. I stole that domain. You're it. All right. (laughs) We will uh, make sure we share that. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm I I am very open. If people ever want guidance or mentorship, please feel free, you know, to reach out. You know, just focusing on the end of the year at the moment, which is oh yes. I don't know if I'd call it my favorite time of year. Personally, it's yes. a wonderful time of year, but not for payroll. It's a season. It's a full season. I feel it's it goes on for so long. It always keeps on giving. <laughs> it does. Yes. Yeah. It but always keeps do it, on giving. Right? That's where the, that's the final exam for payroll every year is year in. Exactly. For sure. And really, you know, I, there's some exciting stuff going on. I can't say, and I'm not going to yeah. say, but I, I found something that I think is going to be quite of a game changer for the industry. And, and I'm really yeah. excited to be one of the first to kind of figure it out. So I'm going to keep so my cool. mouth shut for now. All right. NDA. Yeah, I will tell you what that is. Whoops. All right, we, we uh, want to be the first our, to know. We want you it'll to come be on back our news uh, as when soon you guys yeah. announce you that. Give us yeah. the AOK. Yes, as soon as the NDA is released, we'll we'll, we'll shoot for it for sure, for sure. But I'm really excited about this. I'm actually awesome. working on it right now, and yeah, hoping to do more of these types of podcasts. Get out there, get more you know thought leadership out, and yeah, just keep, I'm going to keep on trucking. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for what you you do. We appreciate you. And listen, everyone, I'm going to share Kira's LinkedIn link. Definitely go there. I know you post some good thought leadership here and there on on your perspectives on these things too, which is definitely why we wanted to have you on. So keep, be sure to follow her for that. And there's some great, great POVs as payroll leaders. Julie, what do you got going on? As you're just uh, winding down the big fall conference, I think there's one typically in December, December 4th through 6th, which is the NARAS conference. That's the North American HR Executive Summit. It usually draws about seven or 800 folks from companies of all sizes. And that takes place in Orlando each year. And so I'm a mainstay there. I'm often there and folks can find me there. Or if you're in the Orlando area, I will be down there the very first week of December. As many folks know, working with practitioners so much gives me a a feel for what some pain points, some unique pain points are and leave pain points, especially their impact to payroll, uh, were something that more than 60% of our survey respondents grumbled about. And so I have a micro survey out. It's less than 20 questions. It's on leave pain points. And we're really asking some questions to try to dig in a little bit into what are the dimensions um, and characteristics that companies are experiencing that makes 
upset so painful? And hopefully that'll give us some insights into how we might be able to solve for it or what types of trends or, or different directions those lead pain points might be taking. So that would be fun. Love to have folks. I yeah. know you'll, you'll push it out there. Either of our LinkedIn's have the QR code for participating, but please folks get your leave persons or your HR person or whoever can give us some insights into that. Help us diagnose why leave is the number one pain point for payroll. And one other item that will be coming up, I've been tackling some content around workday benefits versus best of breed benefits. And as workday goes down market, large companies have traditionally used a lot of best of breed benefits. And I find a lot of questions come up about, you know, about one versus the other. And there is no right or wrong answer, but there is a lot of different context in between that makes something work for one company that doesn't work for another. So lots of content forthcoming here at the end of the year on some of those touch points as well. So look for that and I'll share it out as you know. Yeah, very good. Very good. Yeah, I wanted to make sure we get the survey in there. I was wondering if that was still going. So uh, yeah, please, if you haven't taken that survey, I've shared it. Uh, I know Julie shared it. I'll reshare it again and we'll make sure it's here in the description. Yeah, and for me, look, I've got a few more events left to go. Um, heading out to UKG's Aspire awesome. next week. So if any, I don't know if this will be up by then, but look for me there if anyone's out there. And I just recorded, I think we did six or eight episodes of The Source by Daily Pay Live from Money 2020. And that's going to feature multiple founders from around the fintech space, the finance world and money movement. So look for those soon. I'm going to see if we can share them on this platform as well. And then of course, I did a couple of podcasts or excuse me, not podcasts webinars this week with Payslip and iSolve, both on payroll and global payroll technology. So check those out if you can. For the replays, they'll, they'll be coming out soon. Well, listen, Kira, thank you so much for coming on. It's great to have you. And Julie, thank you as always. And yeah, we'll talk to you everybody soon. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye.